This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This week's episode of the Book Riot Podcast is sponsored by Fight Like a Girl by Clementine Ford. Fight Like a Girl is an essential manifesto for feminists new, old, and soon to be. Fearless feminist heroine Clementine Ford is a beacon of hope and inspiration to thousands of women and girls. In the wake of Harvey Weinstein and the Me Too campaign, Ford uses a mixture of memoir, opinion, and investigative journalism to expose just how unequal the world continues to be for women. Personal, inspiring, and courageous, Fight Like a Girl is a call to arms for women to rediscover the fury that has been suppressed by a society that, despite best efforts, still considers feminism to be a threat. It's an urgently needed, passionate rallying cry that will awaken readers to the fact that they are not alone and there is a brighter future where men and women can flourish equally, and that's something worth fighting for. Thanks to Fight Like a Girl and Clementine Ford for sponsoring this week's show. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. And this week, that's holiday recommendation requests. This is episode 289. We're recording on Thursday, November 29th. I'm Rebecca Shinsky. I'm here with Jeff O'Neill. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. We're back with more. We are. We have so many more. I don't know that we're going to get through all of them. No, I don't know. I didn't even, I'm sorry, I didn't even look to see if people had emailed between episodes because I realized there's just too many. Um, We made it through three pages in our Google Doc of requests on the first episode. So we're on page four now out of 10. uh, Yeah, Um, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We have a whole show dedicated to customized book requests, which is called Get Booked. And I don't know if we've plugged them in a long time. That's true. We haven't. But you can go check that out. Amanda and Jen do that every week where their whole show is individual recommendation requests. Also, I saw that Red or Dead, which is our um, mystery thriller podcast, is doing a recommendation episode. Oh, great. Um, So check the feed for that. I don't know when it's going up, but you and I are not awesome on fiction mystery thrillers. We are not. uh, Especially awesome. And we have a couple of... You know, coming up later in this episode, but yeah. I had to consult the experts <laughs> in order yes, to right. come up with uh, with picks for that anyway. So yeah, Red or Dead, mm-hmm. great show there too. All right, let's do our first sponsor, which this week is Wizard Pins. It is the easiest way to create custom pins with your logo or design. So here's what you do: you go, you can go upload your design, and then Wizard Pins will send you a free virtual mock-up of your pin. They can work with any design from hand-drawn sketches to professional design files, and they will provide unlimited art revisions until you're completely satisfied. They can create pins of any size, shape, or for any occasion, and they've got great customer service team that will help you select the style that's best for you. All the pricing is listed clearly on the site. No waiting for a quote, no hassle, no hidden fees. This is my least favorite new... Like I felt like this part of the internet should have been solved where it's like, I want to do this thing and you've got to like wait for a quote. Do you know what things cost, whether it's to mow my lawn or to get me a pin or whatever. There's one I was trying to get a quote for. I can't remember. What or print my business cards or whatever mm-hmm. else it would be. Mm-hmm. You know what your pricing is. Just just treat me like an adult. Tell me how much this stuff costs. That's what Wizard Pins does. They offer free shipping and the fastest turnaround in the industry. Some industry items can be made in little as two days. It's good for small or large businesses, nonprofit, the armed forces, professional organizations, and more. And it's not just pins. They can make challenge coins, uh, keychains, medals for races or athletic things. Really interesting stuff they've got around. They sent, they sent us a, a little thing, examples mm-hmm. of all the things they do. And my kids were delighted because it's a, you know, it's a little bag of things that have different designs on them, which when you're five or seven is basically like, you know, the, the <laughs> getting a, a nugget of gold in the mountain. It's like, oh, look at all these little things. Their favorite thing, I kid you not, Wizard Pin sends a little sample of all the different kinds of pin styles, like from enamel <laughs> to embossed. Yep. You know what I'm talking about. And there's like six wizard faces on it. Mm-hmm. And they thought that was just great. They talked about which one was their favorite, different, you know, 
how heavy or shiny or matte. So there's a lot of different choices there. They really like that. Ames now has a few of the pins on his backpack. Oh, that's He's wearing great. his school because he likes them so much. Yeah, I had friends over last night and the actual wizard pins were the most popular with them yep. as well, looking at them. And I have chosen Adventure Club, which <laughs> <laughs> is a nice little, like a gold pin with a nice red background and a tent on it and a banner that says Adventure Club. And I was like, you know... This speaks to me. I think Wizard Pins understands me. They're very yeah, the, cute the one, and they're really I, nice. They're really nice. I palmed one for myself. I don't know what I'll do with it, but it's a joystick, like an old school Atari joystick pen. I don't know what I was like. Mm-hmm. This is Dad's. I'm not. This is going out of the kid's box. <laughs> so that's going to the side for me. Stick it on your messenger so, bag. Yeah, there you go. Uh, go to he, go ahead to wizardpins.com, and you can enter code Book Riot to get twenty percent off your first order. That's Book Riot for twenty percent off your first order at Wizard Pins. It'd be a fun gift for like your book club. Oh yeah, you have your book club pins. You know, you know they can wear them. I've been joking for years about making merit badges for book yes, contributors. You, can do you that. know, like when you fight when you fight your first battle with a troll, mm-hmm. or like when you first get a nasty comment on your book riot post. And I could make them. I think I might make them little pins that they can wear instead of yeah. merit badges. Achieve, achievement pins. Mm-hmm. Your, your first comment was like, you didn't include this thing. I would have included on your your list, list of, is not comprehensive. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> your list of your list of subjective choices is different than my list of subjective choices would have been. <laughs> Okay, so that's Wizard Pins. Thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Miranda is up first. All right. I'm going to read this one because oh, right, I don't have I've an answer. Rec. I'm going to yeah. set you up here. It's from Miranda. She's trying to buy for her husband, who's an avid reader of fantasy and sci-fi. He loves rich world building. And when it comes to sci-fi, real science to back up the fiction. Some authors he loves are Neil Stevenson, Brandon Sanderson, Terry Pratchett. And in his youth, he loved Tamora Pierce. What's a good read that he might not have encountered yet? Hmm. Um, I think there's, I mean, again, this may be something he knows because she had, it was, I mean, too bad 2018 sort of, uh, was a cloud. Let's put it that way. A lot of things, (laughs) because in the book world, you could have said that it's a year of NK Jemisin winning what the third straight Hugo and just like he's getting a book or adaptation deal for, I think it's for the, uh, broken earth trilogy. She has two trilogies, inherited trilogy and, and the, the broken earth trilogy. I would recommend them both. Now, the one that's gotten the most buzz in the wider culture, just because as, as, as Jemison has been rising, this is the one that's been in progress. But the last book came out, I guess, the end of last year. Um, but they're big, thick books, which I know that world building, I see there, world building uh, fantasy sci-fi lovers like a good thick book because you have a lot of details and things like that. Um, it's set in this massive continent called the Stillness in a far future Earth and this place has these periodic disasters. I can't remember what they're called. They have some name that's like, I think maybe, I think it's seasons, actually. Seasons. They're not just big storms. They're these like regular apocalypse level events that last for generations. Like, it's not just like, oh, we had a season today. It's huge cataclysms that happen relatively often. Um, and it has remade the world. And then there's this also these advanced civilization pieces floating around, and they're called obelisks. And the so that's enough to make it sci-fi and fantasy, but there's also like the more traditional fantasy of there's some people now as a result of or maybe be a side product of these events, they've got magical powers from, and they draw them out of the earth. So that's the world building is it. I don't want to say much more about it, but that's my pick. You know what I like? the inherent. The, so that's the Broken Earth. The Inheritance Trilogy I like, too. The thing I like about the Inheritance Trilogy, you can get the whole series in one big, fat paperback Ooh, right now. Ooh, the Omnibus. The omni- and I don't believe there's that for the Broken Earth series yet. So, you know, you could get both series in four books, basically, which would be a very nice gift. Also, as I think I mentioned before, the Broken Earth series, at least, I know, maybe the Inheritance Trilogy has gotten a deal in the adaptation of Gold Rush. It's hard to keep track. Um, the Broken Earth series, I believe, is going to be a TNT series. Uh, it was the last thing we heard about that. So you can be the thing that readers like to do is get on the ground floor. Um, and the ground floor, I think, really is before it's become an adaptation. Like, if you read the book before it becomes a movie, you're, you're on the ground floor. I, I have decreed it thus, and thus it shall be. Um, so there's my choice. The Broken Earth trilogy, really any of the N.K. Jemisin series. Um, go check those out. 
Um, maybe you better read the next one. Yeah, Jeff special the Jeff for the next train one is going to roll on. Yeah. I didn't even attempt to answer this one. Uh, this is from Joseph. My friend is an aspiring Francophile, but he has read no Balzac. I want to start him off right. What book should I get him? Um, again, I'm going to I'm going to apologize first for my French, which it technically can't even call it French. It's English words that happen to have referred to French things. Um, Le Père Giraud. There's a reason it's his most famous. I think, you know, sometimes people, they like, where do I want to start with Melville? Well, I want to, Moby Dick's, probably Moby Dick's not actually the best one. No, this is the best one. Um, it is, it's set in the early 19th century in Paris, and it follows several characters around. The 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 titular Giraud is this elderly, doting kind of guy, but there's also a criminal. You can't have a good 19th century French novel without sort of a shady character and also a, na- a naive character. There's also a naive character, the, another law student. Everyone's either old or a criminal or a student in 19th century French novels, and you got all three of them in Père Giraud. And most people say it's his best. Um, these characters appear in other books. It's p- the first, I think, the first in the, the human comedy series that's like 25 books or something like that. It's great. It takes place during the Bourbon Restoration, so there's a lot of changes going on in French society. Uh, you know, the Paris itself is a major character, which is, I think, you want that you're a Francophile, frankly, and especially an American Francophile. Start there. Start there. Um, that's Père Giraud, Le Père Giraud by Balzac. I read this one, and it was the only book I didn't hate in this Victorian novel class that I took, or a 19th century novel oh, class. Oh, that's I a took nice memory to hold on to. Yeah, yeah, I hated I hated Vanity Fair. I hated uh, all of those. You know, those are just not go. my jam either. They are not my jam. They're not even they're not even uh, a they're savory not, olive spread. They're not to even me. They're like just, they're terrible. Not even jam adjacent. No, they're not. Okay. <laughs> Would have been Why a good don't show I read title. this one? Okay. Hello, hello. I am looking for holiday book recommendations. Well. In our place, but not for gifts for me. That's what I like to see, Sybil. Just put it all out there. I do a lot of holiday travel, stuck in airports and wedged into airplane seats for hours. I need books to keep me engaged. Page turners that I don't want to put down. For this sort of thing, I have a strong preference for nonfiction. See, Jeff, I heard you. Well, hey, I'm glad yes. that I, we can help you with this. I'm not really looking for business, womp, womp, <laughs> uh, self help, womp, womp, or anything woo. Well, there I'm well, woo. I, so we're okay, feeling anyway. a little bit seen yeah, here. Yeah, feeling attacked here. Uh, some <laughs> books that have worked for me. Okay, there's examples. I'm not going to list them all no. um, because she she ticked off. Actually, one I was going to recommend: Code Girls by um, mm-hmm. Lisa Mundy. I really liked, and then the Radium Girls by Kate Moore. Also, Bad Blood, Neuro Tribes. I've recommended in the past. I think that's it. So why don't you yeah. go first? What did you have? For okay, her? so I, I'm going to jump off of a couple of the books that she mentioned that she had loved. Yeah. One of them was Evicted by Matthew Desmond. And so that sort of signals to me like interested in social issues. Um, this is a different social issue, but Incarceration Nations by Baz Dreisinger um, is a, the subtitle is A Journey to Justice in Prisons Around the World. And she literally travels around the world visiting, I think it's about a dozen different countries, learning about their prison systems. And they range from um, very progressive prison systems that look at restorative justice and are built on like empathy and helping the criminals to be reformed and returned and like really helping them to be reformed and returned into society and also to make reparations to uh, whoever was the victim of the crimes down to uh, the other end of the spectrum, very um, Mm. cruel and dehumanizing prison experiences and looking for... um, you know, how can we think about what function prisons are supposed to serve in societies and how to make them do that thing? Um, it's really well, well researched and interesting and just a lens on something that is a part of most cultures and is very different depending on what culture you're in. I thought it was fascinating. And we had her as a guest at Book Riot Live a couple of years ago. Um, if you are looking for page turning fiction, not not fiction, nonfiction, um, <laughs> it's not, man, words are hard sometimes. Mm. Um, it is not a holiday recommendation request show if I don't say The Emperor of All Maladies by hey, Siddhartha Mukherjee. Ring the bell, <laughs> release the doves. 
you got the bingo, like the center square yeah. on the bingo card. It's a big book. It's a biography of cancer. And I always, always say when I talk about it that you think you might not want to read a 500-page book about the history of cancer, but you super do. Um, Mukherjee is a wonderful writer, also is a physician himself. And so he writes about the history of the illness, the history of treatments of the illness, but also has just a ton of empathy for patients and for remembering that this whole thing is about the humans who experience the, the variations of these diseases and how we treat them and what the science looks like. Um, more recently, he had The Gene, which I believe came out last year, um, a huge book about how we have like the, sort of the discovery of the gene and of genetics and where genetic science might be going. That's also wonderful. Um, and then for just like a little something zany that I had a lot of fun reading, um, Naked at Lunch, I believe it's by Mark Driscoll. Sorry, Mark Haskell Smith. Um, and this is more in the Mary Roach vein of things. Um, he, the subtitle here is A Reluctant Nudist's Adventures in the Clothing Optional World. And he like just decides he's fascinated with why would a person be a nudist. And he spends a, a chunk of time, maybe a year, um, visiting like different nudist communities and colonies around the world and like talking to people and going nude himself and trying to understand it. And it's interesting and really funny. Um, and also like a light read for a day that you're stuck in an airport. So those are mine. I think you just described um, my uh, particular custom version of hell with that book <laughs> right there. Um, but that's yeah. separate. That's, that's not a, a separate, thing I would ever uh, imagine no, you not, researching. No, not for me. Um, I got two picks. One uh, is a front list title, The Feather Thief by Kirk Wallace Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the read. It's, it's a very readable page ternary, nonviolent true crime it's about the theft of a whole bunch of feathers out of a British museum. And I will say no more about it because part of the fun is like, what, what, why? I don't know. But someone stole a whole bunch of 200 year old bird pelts, um, several hundred, 200 year old bird pelts out of a British museum and who does it and why they do it are both fascinating. And it's pretty short so you can get through it. But the first 30 or 40 pages especially have a great hook. So as you're um, waiting to board a plane, it's the kind of thing you read while you're waiting to board so that while you're on the plane, you don't even know you're on a plane. And then I'm bringing something out from the backlist that we've often yes. recommended in the past, The Noble Hustle by Colson Whitehead, because there's a part of it, there's a part of The Noble Hustle book and what Colson Whitehead does with it that reminds me of being on a plane, and it's this. So Colson Whitehead, we've talked about before, I'm going to recommend him in a different context down the page if we get there. One of our great novelists, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's just experimental and funny and mordant. I think mordant is the word I would describe. Yeah, that's a good word. To d- describe Whitehead's particular sense of humor and worldview. But he does the thing that's been done several times in books and other things of going to, to play in a professional poker tournament and document it. But because he is Colson Whitehead, <laughs> he has to do it in a Colson Whitehead kind of a way, which is sad and... Fighting uh, like an existential and crisis. Yeah, right. It, it really is. It's like if Eeyore went to go play in the, <laughs> yes, the World yeah. Series of Poker. Um, and it's really funny. And the thing he becomes sort of fascinated with is the other people drawn to playing in poker tournaments. So it's really as much about poker and him, but it's also about all these people and what do they want and their sadness and sort of the whole sad scene of a casino and what this is about. And it reminded me a little bit in reading it of in any situation where around you're around people in some situation that you didn't really choose to be around. And to me, that's an airport, that's a DMV, that's a PTA meeting. When you're just kind of looking like, who the hell are, who are these people? What motivates them? Why do I sort of, why am I both fascinated by them and also a little repelled by them at the same time? And he gets it into all of that. So it's, it's, I think it's page turnery in this regard is you want to stay in his head and yeah. it's really compelling and um, The Noble Hustle by Colson Whitehead. I know it's a book you like too. Yeah. And I, I loved it. Um, and I just love his voice in that sort yeah. of perspective on things. And I mentioned Mary Roach's name um, a minute ago, but oh, Sybil, right. if you're not already reading Mary Roach for page turning, funny, nonfiction, mm. you got uh, like five good books to discover there. Um, so get the to Mary Roach. And kind of, you could start with any of the roach. Like, it's a hard one to say one other than the other. Yeah, that's a real, I think, just depending on what your personal 
interest is. It's a real like take a look at yeah. them and and see where right. to start. But um, packing for Mars, the one about space travel, I think is like you, that's universally recommendable. It's yes. not. It's maybe not as gross as some of the other ones. Right. Yeah. Um, Grunt, the one about the army, you know, mm-hmm. getting soldiers ready is sort of more. Yeah. It's not as gross and as Goldberg. I'm recommending things. that down the page. Oh, I, 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 maybe <laughs> maybe I was uh, incent. Uh, what's incepted? Is that a, like a 15-year-old meme now at this point to mm-hmm. reference Inception? Well, it's a good thing we're both old because I got yeah. what you're <laughs> picking right. up like what you're I'm up down. next. This is me because I don't have any yeah. recs for this. Um, a little background uh, for my request. I'm married to someone who was born in South Korea and was adopted into the U.S. I'm looking for book recommendations for romance books that have main characters that are Caucasian and Asian couples. Bonus if the Asian character is Korean. I recently read The Duchess War by Courtney Milan and When Beauty Tamed the Beast by Eloisa... Eloisa? Eloisa. Eloisa, James, and really liked them. That's it. Okay. All right. I had to go to the experts, and thank goodness we have a bunch of romance experts at Book Riot for this. So the first one, which actually rings all these bells, is Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating by Christina Lauren. Uh, It's about a Korean man and a white woman. Uh, and, uh, Hazel is the heroine here. She knows that she's a lot to take. And frankly, most men aren't up to the challenge. If her army of pets and her thrill for the absurd don't send them running, her lack of a filter means she'll say exactly the wrong thing in a delicate moment. And Josh has known Hazel since college, where her zany playfulness proved completely incompatible with his mellow restraint. From the first night they met, when she gracelessly threw up on his shoes, to when she sent him an unintelligible email while in a post-surgical Haze. Josh has always thought of Hazel more as a, pe- a spectacle than a peer, but now it's 10 years later. After a cheating girlfriend has turned his life upside down, he's going out with Hazel and it's a breath of fresh air. So that is a cute setup mm. that you've got there. Um, the next one that the contributors recommended, which I have read and was great, uh, is The Kiss Quotient by Helen Wong. It's about a young woman. Her ethnicity is not identified in the book, but um, one of the contributors mentioned that Wong has said she always imagined the main character, um, the female main character to be white. Um, she has had trouble with dating and she doesn't really like um, a lot of the physical things that go along with dating. She can't get comfortable. Uh, So she hires a professional, uh, a professional in uh, the world's oldest profession Mm. um, to carpentry. (laughs) That's it, Jeff, Um, to give her lessons and they fall in love with each other. And he is a man of Asian descent. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head what his background is. I think in the book, he's Vietnamese. Um, Mm. So this, um, this is one of those moments where we can be reminded that publishing has a long way to go still in terms of diversity. Romance is doing pretty well with difference with, you know, representing um, a variety of characters of different backgrounds, but it was really tough to find this um, Korean and Caucasian match between a couple. Um, And then another title that was thrown out that kind of rings these bells is also Fit by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Um, So that should give Mm. you a few places to start. I will say the Kiss Quotient was surprisingly steamy. Um, Mm. I read it on a plane and was a little bit like, oh my goodness, I hope that no one is standing next to me, Um, which is kind of a good sign for a romance. Um, And I've read some Christina Lauren in the past, though I'm not familiar with Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating. Um, So those sound like great picks for you to get going with, Mary. Good luck. Cool. Um, okay, this next one is from Sarah, looking for a recommendation for her mom, who normally reads anything I give her, but our taste isn't always the same. She likes historical novels and has previously loved the Outlander books and Crazy Rich Asians. I gave her Queen of the Night by Alexander Chi, which she liked, but said that she wished there was less exposition about the era. Okay, I love Queen of the Night, but I get you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she might like a historical romance, but it would have to be not very racy as she's fairly conservative. Um, I didn't go historical romance because I don't really know too much of those, but I've got a sneaking suspicion because, wait, where's my gong? I've got to hit it here. <laughs> I've lost it. I think it uh, fell over. But The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern. Ah, uh, yes. Set in, it's a Victorian setting, so it feels historical, but it's a fantasy. Um, but there is a love story at the center. The summary is something like this. There's a couple of magicians, and there's like, magic is rare in this world, so it's sort of... Uh, it's fantasy, but I think I think the phrase is low fantasy. I can't remember my subgenres of fantasy, but it's not mm-hmm. like Harry Potter where there's a whole bunch of wizards. Like, as far as we know, there's only these two, 
and they seem to be immortal and they get into duels. And one of the things, their duel is by proxy. So they'll pick out a kid at a young age and train them to be a magician and then set them on a collision course. And whoever, whichever of the proxies wins, they win that round of battle and it's bragging rights and it's not clear what else is at stake. In this particular, um, things don't go as the magicians think. It's set in this, the, the Cirque de Rev, which is this circus that appears at night and it's magical and it's impossible. It's a beautiful book. It's really immersive um, and it's really emotionally sort of satisfying and juicy. And I think it's something your mom would like. On the historical novel front... Silver Sparrow by Terry Jones came out a few years ago, and it's about two girls growing up in the in the 80s in Atlanta, and they, they both have the same father, but he's got two families that don't know about each other. Ooh. And what how that goes down, it's, it's juicy, it's dramatic, the characters are great, it's an interesting setting. That's, Jones grew up in Atlanta, in this um, part of black society in Atlanta, so she really knows her stuff. So you get a really good human story, but also a really closely drawn and immersive setting. Um, like the, the, the setting is part of the story, but it's not the story like can happen in some historical novels. So if she doesn't like the exposition, you only get as much as you need to know about 1980s land to understand what's going on there. So those are my two stories. The night the, uh, recommendations, the night circus by Aaron Morgenstern and silver sparrow by Terry Jones. All right. My first pick, I'm actually going to wait on, because I think you're talking about it later in yeah, the show. Yeah, I saw I'm, this. I just I'm going to mention Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. I think that's going to be in your mom's wheelhouse. Um, for romance that isn't too racy, hard to do better than Beverly Jenkins. Um, Forbidden is the one that I'm picking for you today. It's the first one in a series that it's set in the Old West. I believe there are three or four of them out now. And uh, it's about a man named Ryan Fontaine, who who's building this, um, like, he's sort of like the big man about town, but his whole big man about townness depends on the fact that he's passing for white. Um, and this, this is like, you know, a couple centuries ago set in the old West of the United States. Um, but he's really struggling under the fact that his true identity is a secret. Um, and, he has rescued this young woman. Her name is Eddie Carmichael in the desert. She's black. Um, and, he's really struggling to keep the secret because they should not, according to sort of the societal rules at the time in the town that they live in, she is a black woman and him as a man that everyone thinks is white should not be having a relationship. Um, but they of course can't help, but fall in love with each other. And it's, you know, actually totally fine because he's not white. Uh, mm. so there's a, a lot of really interesting and very well researched, like this is thoroughly grounded in history. Um, and we don't get a lot of stories about people, of color in the old west beverly jenkins does a great job of reminding us like there have been black people all over this country um for a very long time and they had a variety of experiences and the book is not super steamy like there's a lot of flirtation and attraction between the characters but it's a uh, i don't think anything more than a kiss happens on the page the rest of it is fade to black and even the sort of like after the action catch-ups are very tame um so i would feel i think you can feel comfortable giving a pretty conservative mom forbidden um and you get to you know feel good about also introducing perhaps a new angle on a historical experience mm. since you mentioned crazy rich asians which i i loved that series and i'm talking about it later on the show um that big ensemble cast novel i think is one of the things that makes those books mm. work so well um and that's like the getting the band back together feeling that we both love in fiction so i'm going to recommend the nest by cynthia dupree sweeney which is um i call these rich people problems books it's about a family um in manhattan that have um something's going on with the patriarch of the family i believe it's been a few years since i read it and all of the adult children are expecting the nest egg like there's supposed to be some inheritance, but it's possible that actually the money isn't there. Um, and there's all kinds of drama going on inside this family. And each of the characters is dealing with their own personal stuff and also their interpersonal stuff and their relationships with each other. And it's just really, it's just really great. It moves. Um, it's insightful. There's really sharp drawings of family dynamics. Um, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Cool. Um, let's see. Is it my read this time? I well, I've, read... I've got the Rex. Yeah. Yeah. I'll read this one. Cause yeah, I don't, I didn't yeah, cut it down too. We got a lot here. Yeah. Yeah. This is from Amy. Um, she and her father have 
very different political views. He's de- he's deeply conservative. He lives in the South, and she is a stereotypical San Francisco liberal. <laughs> um, despite their differing views, they both love to read. She often gets him books for birthday, Father's Day, whatever. He's really into Bill O'Reilly's Killing series and often asks for the latest installment. But Amy does not feel comfortable supporting Bill O'Reilly. So she's mm-hmm. looking for a recommendation on a book or a series that will capture dad's interest while not asking her to compromise her values when she's making a purchasing decision. Nonfiction would be best leaning toward American or world history, military history, or tech. The thing is, th- my rec for this is so obvious and on the nose that I would be. S- I hope your dad hasn't read these because this will be the most perfect wreck of all time. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. even hard to do because it's a book I love. It's set in the South. It's military history. Um, Her dad is a retired uh, captain. Um, You can feel good about buying it. It's the Killer Angels Angels by Jeff Shara, which is the first in the Civil War trilogy completed by his son. Um, It is a fictional account, but it's better than any nonfiction book you're ever going to read about the Battle of Gettysburg. It's incredible. It's, it's, there's nothing else like it. Reinvented the war novel, really, at the time. Won the Pulitzer Prize back in the day. An incredible book. And the other two books in the series are good. Not as good as this Killer Angels, I would say. It's his son picking up um, what his dad did. It, it's also one of those stories. It, it would make a great annotated episode. But anyway, that's a different s- subject. But there's a whole series of them now um, that Jeff Shar has written. There's some about um, Vietnam, Korea... And they're all told as fictional novels from the point of view of people that were actually on there, deeply researched, wonderfully readable, and just a, would be a great gift for your dad that I think you could feel good about. Um, another one I think you could feel good about, too, and this might be a little bit of um, putting the pill in the peanut butter. I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe. Um, SPQR by Mary Beard, who is an English uh, scholar of classical antiquity, but especially of the Roman Empire. And SPQR is her magnum opus about Rome. And it's also wonderful. It has military history, but it also takes into account some of the things that normally aren't taken in the, in the, in the I guess, the more conventional narrative of Rome. Like she talks about women's lives in Rome and the lives of slaves, and, but also doing the things of aqueducts and Alexander the Great. Like you get all the stuff, but it's a more holistic view of the Roman Empire that's not just sort of Caesar to Caesar to Caesar to Caesar all the way down. A really great read and make a very good gift, a substantial gift for someone that's interested in world history and, and military history. And it feels like safe ground, but I think it might, it's just enough, enough English on the, on the shot that you might also feel like you're pulling one over on your dad a little bit and you might not even know it. <laughs> um, so those are my two picks. SPQR by Mary Beard and then The Killer Angels by Jeff Shara, but then the rest of the, um, the Civil War trilogy uh, oh, Gods and Generals in The Last Battle, I think the other two. You can buy them in a very handsome slipcase uh, paperback box set. Uh, all three of those make a nice gift. That's a good tip. All right. I guess I'm reading the next one. Yep. Uh, from Rachel. Who is this person? I don't know who this, <laughs> this is. Weird. This is weird. We know where. this, Rachel. My mom has asked for time travel books, in quotation marks. Air quotes don't really work on the on podcast, but maybe you heard it in my voice. I pressed her a little bit on what she means by time travel, and while she's a pretty voracious reader and reads a lot of speculative fiction, it sounds like she's looking for something closer and mood and feeling to the time traveler's wife. She read and loved Outlander. She listened to every book in the series on audio, and that is not a short series. No. The Discovery of Witches Trilogy and Life After Life. This is not a topic I know enough about to do more than scratch the surface. It sounds like she's already done. Any help would be appreciated. Well, I don't know how helpful this is going to be, Rachel, (laughs) because I think that the time traveler's wife is kind of like the night circus that we were talking as we were talking about it last week. In that, the feeling of reading that book is very singular, Um, but there's something very pleasantly unsettling uh, about the time travel elements. I think about all of these books that you've mentioned that your mom likes, and so I went for that of this like kind of what what's happening where am i feeling that's really wonderful sometimes and the last book that really did that to me with a time travel element was long division by kiesa layman uh, which is set in post katrina mississippi i think it's like 2013 or 2014 um the teenage main character has a meltdown on stage during like a quiz show or a spelling bee something like that and because it's you know 
basically present day. It's filmed and on the internet and he becomes an overnight YouTube sensation. Um, mm. The next day he gets sent to stay with his grandmother in this small town and a girl named Bays has recently disappeared from this small town. Um, I had to refresh myself on the plot before I could do this. Um, before he leaves town, though, City, the main character, he's given this book. It's very strange. Um, it doesn't have an author, and it's called Long Division. He learns that one of the main characters in this book is also named City, like has his same name, but the book is set in 1985. And in like the 1985 character along with his friend, discovers a way to time travel into the future, steals a laptop and a cell phone from an orphan teenager named Bays, the same name as the girl that disappeared in 2013. And they ultimately take these with them all the way back to 1964 to help another time traveler that they meet protect his family from the Ku Klux Klan. And you feel unsettled for most of the book, but in a really wonderful way. Um, and Kiese Lehman works with race and American history and contemporary culture and things like YouTube and the internet, um, just in a very thoughtful, like for a book that deals with race in a relatively heavy way, it's very playful. Um, and I've never read a book that did this in that way. So Long Division is a pick there. Um, I think you might also want to look at The Shining Girls by Lauren Bukas, um, which is a twist on the serial killer novel, but the serial killer time travels. Uh, and then I remember loving some of the stories in Rebecca Mackay's collection, Music for Wartime. They don't all have time travel-y or like unsettled from time elements, but a few of them do. Um, and the whole book was really wonderful. So giving you a couple, maybe they'll work options there. <laughs> That's good. You get a couple, maybe they'll work. And I'm giving a, a nail squarely on the a hammer squarely on the nail up. head. <laughs> it's not, I mean, this again, it's like, it's just too easy and not too easy, but there's one that just sort of jumped to mind. And I was actually just looking at it. And the, this, the, my pick is time and again by Jack Finney. And there's actually a forward to the new edition by, Audrey Niffenegger, oh. <laughs> who wrote The Time Traveler's Wife. You win. Um, so that's, that's, that's fortuitous. Stephen King famously called it the great time travel story. So basically, the main there's two books in this series. I've only, frankly, read the first one. It stands alone. Um, I keep meaning to go back and read the second one, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. Basically, there's this, this, the main character is, I guess, was present day at the time when the book came out. I think it was in the early 90s this book came out. Disaffected advertising artist who gets... I don't even remember why, but weirdly, out of the blue, a secret government agency calls him and said, are you, are you interested in doing this thing? Of They figured out a way to time travel, but the, the constraints are weird. Like, basically, you slip back into a former moment of time by going to a place and recreating as best you can what that place looked like at the time you're trying to go back to. Hmm. So they put him up in the penthouse apartment, I think in the Dakota apartment building in New York was one of the grand apartment buildings along Central Park built in the late 19th century. They set it up just like it would have been in January 1882. And they wait for snow because snow makes all the cars stop and all oh. the noises go down. Mm -hmm. And he has to get in this frame of mind and it works. And he travels back to 1882, but then it becomes a love story and a mystery. And I think, I don't think he tells the secret agents, but the reason he ultimately decides to do it because his friend has this half-burned letter from someone from this year, and he wants to figure out what's going on. So there's like double motivations going on, which makes it kind of a nice thrill ride. A, a, a book unlike any other, and I often think, I have to say, I often think when it snows and the world gets quiet mm. and you look outside, I often think about the scene where he slips back in time because there's something timeless about a snowfall where the world does sort of slip into a... I don't know, a base level version of itself. Um, that's Time and Again by Jack Finney. I think your mom will really get into it. I'm going to be reading that this weekend. <laughs> it's great. Wait for it to, well, you don't get snow. Well, but if you can wait sometimes. for it to snow or cold, <laughs> it's an unbelievable around the fire on vacation book. Unbelievable. So I'm Sold. overselling it maybe at this point. Okay. All right. Let's read this one because this one is coming straight into my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. All right.
Uh, so this is from Katie. Her brother just got engaged finally to his girlfriend of six years last month. Congratulations, Katie's brother. Uh, she says, I know this question might be kind of hard to answer, uh, but if anyone knew it was the Book Riot team and Katie, you are right. She's looking for some book recommendations that might be more unusual about marriage or a marriage or something like that. They don't have to be advice books. Um, they're already reading a list of books from their pastor, so maybe something less religious if possible but not overly explicit because I want to survive Christmas with my family. Mm. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, Katie, my all-time favorite pick, um, and this is a subject that I love to read about, is Wedding Toasts I'll Never Give by Ada Calhoun. The setup is, what if we told the truth in the toasts we give at weddings about what it means to be married? And that does mean talking about some of the difficult moments, but it also means talking about um, the beauty and the depth of getting through those difficult moments. Um, I believe when the paperback came out, the cover was redesigned to say something like the secret to staying married is just not getting divorced. Um, mm. And Ada Calhoun at moments is really that practical about like, if this is a thing you're committed to doing, um, then like sometimes all there is to do is just stay in it until you figure out how to how to work on things or how to make them better. And she's certainly not promoting like staying in an abusive or dangerous situation. But if your marriage could be healthy or saved. Here's how to think about it. It's not an advice book. This is um, built on, it's very memoir-y. Um, her experience is having been married for a couple of decades. And I think she's very honest about just what it's like to try to maintain a relationship with one person over many years as both of you grow and change and maybe not always in the same directions. Or maybe there's a beautiful line where she says, like, sometimes your partner changes into like this iteration of your partner is a version that you don't really like very much. And all you can do is hope that you'll like the next version better. Um, and sometimes you'll change into a version that they don't like much. And all they can do is hope that they'll like the next version of you better. And sort of this notion of like, if you're committing to someone, hopefully for life, how to think in a very honest and practical way about it. It's just a wonderful book. I've given so many copies of it away over the last year or two since it came out. Um, and then How to Be Married by Joe Piazza is a little more on the advicey side, but um, when she and her now husband got engaged, they spent a year researching um, sort of marital traditions and relationship-related practices in different cultures and like traveling to different cultures around the world, trying to figure out like if you were going to build a really healthy, functional marriage, like how do people do it in different places around the world and what what elements of those things could they take that would be useful for them? There are lots of great little nuggets. Um, it's like any survey course kind of book where you won't do everything, but there might be a few things that um, could stand out as really useful for your brother and his fiance. So I think that's a good one too. That's How to Be Married by Joe Piazza. I'm going a little different. Um, I thought Rebecca might have some interesting things. So I tried to come up with something that wasn't necessarily advicey or really even about marriage. It's called The H-Spot by um, Jill Filipovich, I believe is how mm -hmm. you say her last name. There'll be a link in the show notes or not a link. I'm not linking all these titles. You can go look at them. I'll put the list there. Um, <laughs> It is about the H spot, meaning it's the H is being happiness, you know, play on the whatever, mm -hmm. you know what the play is on. <laughs> um, hmm. And it's making the argument about how American, it doesn't say whether, you know, any, I don't have any uh, uh, information about the brother or his girlfriend and their demo or nationality or race mm -hmm. or anything like that. So I, I won't make any assumptions, but I will say this, that women's happiness in America is institutionally, politically, legalistically um, handicapped, mm -hmm. I would say, for a variety of reasons. And Jill uh, Filipovich makes that case. I think it, why I might think, I think it's an interesting book for someone in a relationship, especially for the man, to think about how the, the cards are stacked against his partner, if she's a her, to be happy. And what happiness means and how we, how we think about happiness of having it all, being a good mother, having a career. There's not enough, there's not enough um, pieces of the pie to go around. And some of those things are institutional. Some of them are cultural expectations of woman and womanhood and motherhood and wifehood. But um, this is one Michelle read first and then recommended to me. Um, and I read and I just think, I just think in, there's a, a lot of modern 
marriages where at least the man wants to do a good job of helping his wife, partner, have a good life, we don't get in in the real core of our beings the way in which it's hard for women to be as happy as men. And some of them are structural, but some of them are about expectations and talking about them and understanding how it isn't fair, it's not rational, it's not equitable, and it's maybe not even possible mm-hmm. um, to fulfill all these kinds of requirements, expectations, even internal desires, some things that you, the woman might even want, but because of the way things are put together, just isn't possible in the way she or he or both of you might want them to be. Um, it's really, I think it's something that a modern marriage of a certain kind, a partnership of a certain kind has to wrestle with in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my rec, the HBOT by Jill Filipovich. That's a great recommendation. So anyway, right. should we do another spot? I feel yeah, like it's let's time do for a, a spot. Yeah. And then we probably only have like one or yeah, two few left more. here. Um, our last sponsor this week is Penguin Random House Audio. Holidays are happier with audiobooks. So find your story with Penguin Random House Audio. You can celebrate the holidays this year with audiobooks, incorporate audiobooks into all aspects of your holiday prep, and you'll find that you're enjoying the season more than you ever have. You can chop veggies for Christmas dinner while listening to an audiobook, run around picking up holiday presents while listening to audiobooks. I don't know, maybe you hide in the bedroom during a party because you just need a minute and you can listen to an audiobook, whatever it is. Let audiobooks be a part of your holiday season with this guide to listening throughout your house. Whether you're listening with your family in the living room, in the kitchen while you're cooking, or you're baking, or you're in your bedroom for that little escape, maybe you're heading out on a road trip. Penguin Random House Audio offers listening suggestions for each room and then links out to a larger collection. Give yourself the gift of audiobooks with bestsellers from Debbie McCumber and my homegirl Brene Brown to family favorites like Harry Potter and the Magic Treehouse. So find your story at penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash bookriot. That's penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash bookriot. Whose read is it? Is it my read? I've lost track. I think so. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Take it away. This is from Meredith. Uh, I'm looking for recommendations for a family member. He likes nonfiction. He reads fiction too, but on his Kindle usually. He's very liberal in his 70s, a proud Canadian, studied journalism in university, was a high school English teacher. Sorry, I am, <laughs> look, at, look at my weird <laughs> bias. I just asserted the English teacher. He's a high school teacher, and since turning 70, he's less inclined towards things dealing with mortality. So sadly, can't do stiff by Mary Roach. I've had success before <laughs> with Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks and Hammerhead. Uh, I was thinking about Educated by Tara Westover, but I'm worried since it's on Amazon, the Amazon list of best, best books now. I have a reputation for getting him great books, and it's all down <laughs> to book right. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Meredith, get you, him educated. Up. Get him yes. educated. It's a Get great book. It is a great book. Um, and Amazon, I, as I have established, I think Amazon put it at the top of their mm. best of books of the year list because it's a book that you can give to just about anyone. It is a wonderful book. Um, for Did you see today that the New York Times little... called it one of the 10 best books of the year? I'm sorry, just before no, you move on. The New York I didn't, Times but I believe today, that. Educated was on their list of 10 best books. So there you it's go. It's great. Another, it's a great book. Go ahead. It's, um, you're totally right. It's a great pick. Yeah. I've already talked about Kiese Lehman on this episode, but I'm going to do it again if he wants something um, a little... The being liberal and wanting to think... like As you're saying, he likes to think about the world. Heavy by Kiese Lehman is a memoir that's about, um, about being a black man in America, about dealing with issues related to body image and weight and how um, a, a lack of feeling of control over his life leads him to want to feel very much in control of his body. It's a very visceral, um, difficult, honest memoir um, Mm. and very, very worthwhile. Um, One of probably actually probably the best book that I read this year. It's wonderful. Um, And then Hammerhead, your Hammerhead mentioned reminded me of Killing It by Kamas Davis, Mm. which came out this year and is um, in the same vein. It's about a woman who quits her job as a journalist. She wants to she's done writing about the people doing the things. She wants to be the person doing the thing. Um, And the thing she wants to do is get into butchery. And so she goes off to France and studies with a family who are farmers who raise and who raise and butcher pigs and learns about um, 
sort of traditional butchery practices. She lives in Portland, Oregon now, and she started like a butchery collective there. It's a big book, um, and it mixes memoir with sort of social and cultural history and analysis about where our food comes from and especially our relationship to meat. Um, but it's mostly about reinventing your life in this same kind of way as what Nina McLaughlin does in Hammerhead. So that's Killing It by Kamas Davis. I picked, um, I don't know why this one popped into my head, but it did. But I'll make, I think I reverse engineered why. So it's Negroland by Margot Jefferson. Good one, good one. I think it's journalist, liberal, and older. And Margot Jefferson herself, a longtime writer, cultural critic, um, journalist, about her days growing up in what she calls Negroland, being the, the wealthier segment of black America over really the 20th century, the middle to late 20th century. Beautifully written, um, great book, and and about looking back at your life, not wistfully, but with clear eyes and mm-hmm. certain of objectivity. Objectivity is not a clear eyed is the way I guess I think because you're still looking through meat eyes. Um, but there's there's something to be said. There's something really moving and beautiful, even as she's a little bit. She still has a little bit of a journalist eye, even on her own life, which I think is really interesting mm-hmm. in this particular regard. It's a great book. It's very beautifully written. Um, I think would rise to your standard um, for your uh, family member of um, unnamed uh, connection. The other one, too, that this is a pretty good book for uh, people who like lifelong learners, I guess yeah. I would say, is what I'd say. Sapiens by, um, oh, I can never, can't remember the right order, Yuval Noah Harari, which is you know, kind of a, a brief history of the human animal. Uh, it's awesome. It's, I don't even know what to say about it. It's looking at humans, both biologically and culturally, hand in hand. So going all the way from the evolution of the Stone Age beings all the way up till now. So using evolutionary biology, um, how early humans related to other, you know, Homo erectus and, you know, anthropic, anthropic, Oh, I can't, Africanus, I can't remember the name of it right now. It's going to come true. Oh, Australopithecus, something like that? Yeah, Australopithecus Africanus. Gosh, that's from deep in the brain. Um, And nice work, Shinsuke. That's well, well, well (laughs) spotted. And he divides, you know, the history of humankind into four parts, going all the way back to 70,000 BC, and really saying that humans, as we think about them, started when we evolved an imagination of some kind, Mm -hmm. which I think is a Mm -hmm. fascinating way of thinking about what a human is about. Is if you can imagine, then you are human. Then agriculture and all the things that go on about the politics and how these things happen. It's it's a masterwork. I don't know. I think this mm-hmm. is one of those it things is. that it's going to be read like. I'm trying to think of like the the um, the, the 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 selfish gene is one of these. Uh, Silent Spring is one of these like landmark landmark works of popular science writing. It's going to be one of these. So that's my pick. Um, Sapiens by uh, Yuval Noah Harari, and then Negroland by Margot Jefferson. Let's do two more. Can we do yeah, two yeah, more? let's do two more. The next one I wanted to get to because it's not for books. It's a little something different. A little, little different. Um, from Book Riot, contributor Susie. My girlfriend, my girlfriend's primary listens, uh, this, we got subject verb preposition. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is multiple girlfriends or what. It doesn't matter. You can one, have yeah. as many girlfriends as you want. But they listen to audiobooks, whoever this is. Oh, yeah. Then she has an audible subscription, a pair of wireless headphones she likes. Any other gift ideas for audiobook lovers? So not books. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for an audiobook. We're looking for audiobook adjacent. At first, I was like, she sounds set. But then I thought about it. Right. 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 Yeah, I had that first thought too. But um, Bob has gotten super into audiobooks in the last couple of years. Yeah. And I knew that like it had really taken hold when he got a Bluetooth speaker for the shower. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like this, that is a new job, level. Bob. Yep. It's a new level of nerd that's happening in my house. He listened to SPQR by Mary Beard. And so like for a while in the mornings, I could hear like narrations about ancient Rome coming down Uh, from the bathroom. There's something appropriate about listening to ancient (laughs) Roman history while naked and wet. Sure. Immersive. An immersive experience. There you go. Um, So, but he's loved it. Um, And they're relatively inexpensive. I think the wire Mm -hmm. cutter even recommends a good one, but you can find one anywhere that you're shopping, especially online. They're easy to find. They just suction cup to the tile in the bathroom. They're waterproof. um, And you can listen to your audiobook 
in the shower, which is, you know, it's just found time um, that yeah. usually we're not doing anything else. And that's been very popular in my household. It was a gift I gave him for Christmas last year. So I think I, I told you my embarrassing story about Bluetooth shower speakers. Have you heard this story? I, Did don't, I tell you this story? I know, but I'm ready. So as I was staying at my friend's house, and um, I was, you know, using their shower as one does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was doing your soap and shampoo thing. And, you know, there's a, there's something interesting about looking what other people sort of like, you know, shower accoutrements yeah, are. Sure. Like the spread. You look around. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that is a that is a rigid looking uh, loofah. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm looking at it. I pick it up. And I'm like, how do you even how do you even put the soap on this thing? Oh, Jeff. Did you and put as you soap might on imagine, it? Well, you don't use another man's loofah. Okay, that's, good, that's good, certain. good, good, good. So I would, but I, do, I did pick it up and had gone well past the point where I should have, before realizing that it was not indeed a loofah or a sponge, it was a Bluetooth speaker. Oh, boy. It's a good one. So, so, if th- so a product idea, Bluetooth mm-hmm. shower speaker, that's that is a also loofah. a sponge. That's also a sponge. All right. So my picks are, I don't know... Uh, uh, so other things, I was like, like, how do I go about? So if, if, you're, if she has a car and if her car doesn't automatically connect to Bluetooth or something like that, a car mount for your phone mm-hmm. that you can hook into your stereo is awesome. So you can listen to audiobooks while driving, while moving around. So also, if you don't want to do that, just a Bluetooth adapter for your car, you can plug it into, you can usually find some that plug into the auxiliary port. A lot of modern cars have a USB port you can plug them into. So that's nice as well. The other thing I was thinking about is you can now, if I saw Audible subscription, I know you can now play your Audible audiobooks through Amazon's Echo line of devices, these smart speakers. So you can tell, say, Echo, play my audiobook. And you can pick up wherever you are. So if you want to listen while you're cooking elsewhere in the house um, without having to be tethered to your phone or computer or some other place, if you want to do a group listening project, a better speaker than just your phone on you know, speaker mode. And those, the, the Echo dots are like 20 bucks right now so those are very reasonable that would make i, I was from that, that's all i've got that's all, i all mean right. what else do you need for that uh one more one yeah, more let's do one, one more. more one more um this is your read i guess all right this is from vicky her cousin is 18 years old in his first year of university studying business has never been a huge reader but he read both the bone graphic novel series and diary of a wimpy kid when he was younger he's also into video games uh particularly Brawlhalla and Livelock. Those don't mean anything to us, but thanks. Um, And he's a big sports fan. He likes hockey and the NFL. One of the hardest people on my list to shop for. Please send help. I've got two picks that I'm connecting one of his non-educational interests to his business um, Mm -hmm. degree. The first pick is Gridiron Genius by Mike Lombardi. Mike Lombardi is a former general manager of the Cleveland Browns. But he's also he's he's I, I listened to a podcast that he's on. He also has read a lot of the same business books that I have. Like <laughs> he's talked about, you know, so where he's thinking about how to be a good football coach, but it becomes kind of a bigger case of a, how to be smart, how to think strategically, how to make good decisions, mm. looking at those things through the lens of football. So if your if your um, cousin is studying business. He's going to be reading about strategy and blah, blah, blah. But this is kind of an applied business book that happens to be about football, which I think is really interesting. I really liked the book. I thought it was great. A similar one is The Console Wars. It's about the early days of Nintendo versus Sega in the 80s. Um, and this is when I was a kid and, you know, there was a big Nintendo versus Sega thing going on, but this looks at it more from the point of Sega because they got this guy, I can't remember the name of the author. I'll put the link, I'll put the title on the show notes. I didn't happen to put it here. Um, but he got a lot of great interviews from the Sega side and what it was like to go against Nintendo while Nintendo was really on the rise. And as you know, now Sega basically doesn't exist. There's no Sega platform you can buy that's new now, but these early days of, there's marketing things are going, there's cultural elements, there's supply side economics going on, there's sort of all sorts of fulfillment chains. But looking at Sega versus Nintendo as a business problem was really interesting mm. and I think might be a good pick for your cousin as well. So those are my two picks. Gridiron Genius by Mike Lombardi and The Console Wars by Blake somebody. J. Harris. I Googled it. Oh, thank you, Rebecca Shinsky. Well done. <laughs> Team That's work. That's what we call a pickup. Okay. Team work. All right. Um, I was thinking maybe Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and ah. Fiona Staples. Ring the bells again. Another great. Didn't, you know. <laughs> yeah, we have we to love, talk well, about great. that. It's just so great. It's just I, so I mean, great. Just so a great. wonderful, wonderful comic series. There are a couple big collected volumes. So you can yep. buy him a beautiful hardcover to get him kicked off. Um, it's set in space. 
space, but not like it's delightfully weird, but not like it's not too weird. I'm not a super sci-fi reader or much of a comics fan, and I just love Saga. Um, and then I also have in parentheses here in my notes, or maybe don't buy him books, um, which yeah. I feel like I say this to like one person on the show every year is sometimes the person like just is not a book person. And I think that it's uh, important for us as book people to be okay yeah. with that um, and to not try to force the bookiness. So maybe reconsider um, that if this is really where you want to go with this friend, but I think that or with this um, cousin, but if you're going to do a graphic novel, I think you would be hard pressed to do better than saga. <sighs> you can I don't think that you could. And as Rebecca, I just want to hit this harder. There's at least one, and I, because I know, because I own it, um, mm -hmm. omnibus edition of I think the first four volumes of yeah. Saga. It's beautiful. Make a great gift um, by Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Fiona Staples. Also, if this kind of they 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 own the property, which is mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. If you're looking for things to support, and they're very, I'm sure they're getting pitches left and right about adaptations. They have to be right, Rebecca. Oh, they have to be. They have to be, and. I I would love to watch this. Yeah, but also I'm kind of I can see why they're not doing it. Mm -hmm. It becomes it's like look what happened to R.R. Martin. Right. Like it be I mean it's not a and complete it would be, series. I don't know. And it's, it's just so a different lovely thing. on the page, but it's hard to yeah. translate those things into yeah. Yeah. I can see why they're either if they have chosen not to do it so far, I can totally see why. Yeah. I, I yeah, I'm kind of glad they haven't, but if they ever did, I would be first in line with Bells on. For to, sure. To, to sign up for stars hd whatever Supreme or whatever yes. it would have to be to yeah. get on saga. that's our show another holiday uh, recommendation show in the books we've got big news to talk about we do this things a, are... we, so we have to we have to you know yeah i've been weeding through like which news to save from the couple yeah. of weeks that we're not in the news um and maybe if we have some extra space we might pepper in a few more recommendations as well but yeah, no promises we'll see. No, no promises. promises. Thank you all so much for listening, this trusting is, us with your family and friends, gift giving. It's always we always so enjoy much the show. Fun. It's always so much fun. Rebecca, I'll talk to you next. Okay, time. Jeff, have a good one.